no, I've, I've lost my busy and I don't know where to find it. Cleaned out a bunch of them during the Iowa state game. And now I've, I've misplaced the most important one, which is the one that still has something, something in it. Well, as you can hear, ladies and gentlemen, we are drinking away our sorrows from Iowa state. I don't know if I'd call it a bad game. It wasn't all right. If you're invested in the teams and appreciate defense, it was an all right game. The close, close loss to Clemson, which you can say, oh, we played close against Clemson, which is a feather in your cap. But welcome back. Episode 40, like we said. Something I should mention, I thought I said this before, but somebody asked me, what's the intro that I used? Because I changed it several weeks back now. And the song is, are you sure Hank done it that way? You sure Hank done it this way, sorry. By Waylon Jennings. I went with the old Shinsuke Nakamura theme, changed it up to some Waylon Jennings. I'll probably change it here in a couple months, keep things fresh. And as a reminder, you can now find us in way more places. I finally got this stuff up to date. Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast, uh, working on Apple Podcast, and maybe a few other platforms here in addition to our sportsgospel.com website. So trying to expand this little empire, we're getting started here. And we're going to do an episode this week that I had planned for about a month ago. And due to life getting in the way, we just never got around to it. This is our slightly delayed NCAA wrestling preview at about a midway point through the wrestling season. And it kind of helps that a lot of the big name guys have not really wrestled yet this year. But just the two of us in this week, we're going to go weight by weight and going to give you our predictions for who's going to be the winner at each NCAA wrestling weight and pick our team winner. If we have some time, we'll look at some of the college football bowl games. We have the biggest games of the year coming up this weekend and potentially check in on the uh, NFL playoff situation with two weeks left. But we're going to start here. NCAA wrestling, 125 pounds. Shannon's favorite wrestler, Spencer Lee. You, You never want to put the cart before the horse, but if anything feels like a surefire lock in wrestling this year, it's Spencer Lee at 125. About the only thing that's going to hold him back is is his recovery. Uh, he, he had both ACLs repaired in the spring. We're talking April ish. And, and he's back. He weighs like he weighs in, he wrestles, he's been cleared to wrestle, uh, but with, with any sort of surgery, there's no guarantee. And so as, as long as his recovery is going well through January and February, he's the guy to beat. And, I, I really don't see anybody touching him or competing with him just because of how dominant he's been. And it's weird looking at the records. And again, all of our information for this is coming from Intermat Russell, or at least mine is records and rankings and all that. Spencer Lee is three and zero. The number two guy, Patrick Glory is four and zero. This guy whose name I'm going to butcher because I've never heard of before. Vito Arujao. He went, uh, looks like he dropped down from one thirty three to one twenty five. He's only four and zero. Uh, very few guys, Brandon Courtney, 10 and 0, Devin Schroeder, Schrader, 11 and 1. So not a lot of matches for many of these guys yet this year, but we don't think it's going to happen. But if you had to pick a second guy to watch at 125, who else is on your radar just to give us somebody outside of Spencer Lee? I'm actually going to go uh, way down the line to Patrick McKee out of Minnesota, who wrestled his way to a third place finish last year coming into the, the NCAA tournament. He was the 15 seed and he ended up third. So keep your eye on him as a dark horse. And I would say Patrick Glory, but I don't think he really counts as a dark horse. He's the number two guy. Uh, guy further down, he's number 10 right now, and that's Brody Teske. If you know Iowa wrestling, you know Brody Teske. 
six and two right now on the year at UNI. Hasn't really moved around the rankings all that much. He's been kind of in that, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 range all year, maybe at 10 the entire time. He's a guy I'd watch for. I don't think he'll make the finals, but if you're looking for a third, fourth, fifth place guy, I'd keep an eye on Teske as somebody who could make some noise in the postseason. And moving quickly up to 133, where things are a little bit more wide open. And this is going to be a theme throughout wrestling. These guys all feel like they've been around forever. And I already feel like Dayton Fix has been around for 10 years, and he's still listed as a sophomore. But you've got Roman Bravo Young, RBY, Dayton Fix, Austin DeSanto, Corbin Myers, Mickey Philippi. Who's, what do we make of 133? A lot more wide open than 125. Yeah, and I think that that could be why some of these guys stayed at 125. You mentioned Vito going back down to 125. I think because the top three are going to be interchangeable, and and it's really a maybe a battle to see who's fourth or fifth. Because with with RBY date and fix and DeSanto, any of those three guys could win it. Uh, last year it was RBI RBY who beat uh, Dayton Fix in the finals. And that could go the other way. DeSanto, if if he catches fire, he could be in there as well. So really any of those three guys, you got to give the the lean right now to RBY because he's done it before. But you can't factor out any of those other ones. And, and as we go down the list, uh, Devin Turner, he's a senior out of Oregon State. That'd be somebody that could sneak up into that top five if all things go well for him at the national tournament. And I believe we spoke about this last year when we did our NCAA episode, uh, the finals episode, that we had, I think, nine new champions. I think Spencer Lee was the only guy who repeated. And he's a three-time champion now going for the fourth time. RBY won this one last year, as you mentioned, fixed DeSanto. So it could be a completely different year. We went last year, all new champions. We may see a lot of familiar faces there at the top. I get RBY being the pick, but just to go somewhere different, I'm going to go Dayton Fix. It feels weird to think that Oklahoma State's kind of on this downswing. Not a lot of Oklahoma State contenders. It's basically become the Big Ten taking over college wrestling. But he's one of the one of the bright spots for Oklahoma State is Dayton Fix. And I was listening to uh, the Flow Wrestling Show, which is fantastic. If you've never listened to the Flow Wrestling Live with uh, Ben Askren and a few other guys, they taught collegiate high school wrestling. I think they were pretty high on Dayton Fix. I think he had a good, was it freestyle or Olympic season? It's going to be Dayton Fix on this one. If I had to go somewhere down the board looking at records and kind of how guys have performed, you had Devin Turner as a good one to look at. Um, it's interesting seeing some of these names that haven't heard about in a while and then they pop up. But give me a – I'm going to go just by name. He's a freshman. He's at Utah Valley, which is apparently this up-and-coming wrestling school. Hayden Drury. It worked for me last year in Yaya Thomas. Didn't know who the guy was. Loved the name. Picked him. And I think he ended up placing in nationals. Give me the same with Hayden Drury this year as a dark horse All-American. 15th ranked right now. I like it. Good call. Yaya Thomas ended up third, by the way, as the 25 seed. He finished third. So you're on to something. Exactly. Uh, getting into 141, which I think you can make a pretty good case. Maybe the most wide open weight when you look at who's there. You have Nick Lee returning as a senior, the defending national champion, got his first championship last year. Jaden Iron, Steven Miacic, Sebastian Rivera, all feel like they've been around forever. Dylan Duncan, the fifth-ranked guy out of Illinois, another senior. Uh, what else do we have here? I think, I think those are your main four. 
Steven Michich, Nick Lee, Jaden Ironman, Sebastian Rivera. I think you have a four horse race, but really any of those guys, I feel like could make a run to the championship here. And, and I see it as a two horse race with Lee and Ironman. They're just that much better than everybody else. Uh, Misich is a good wrestler, but he's, he's at the wrong weight. We noticed Tariq Wilson moved up to 149. Uh, he was one that factored into that group last year at 141. Um, and going down the list a little bit, like Chad Red, he's a guy, he's another one of those that's been around forever. We're just loaded with Big Ten wrestlers here at this weight. So the Big Ten tournament will definitely be fun to see how that plays out because that'll factor into their seating and uh, in, in how that all all plays out at the national title or national tournament. But I think it's two people with Nick Lee and Jaden Ironman. I, I really have no rationale. I've been trying to minimize my college wrestling watching to not spoil my take on this episode. So it felt very authentic to a preseason preview. But if you had asked me at the beginning of the year, I would have gone Mr. Rivera as my pick, but it's crazy to think. And this kind of shows you the state of college wrestling. The top five guys are all in the big 10. And then it kind of drops off and you get a smattering there, but to be the fifth best wrestler in the big 10 at your weight. And you're maybe the fifth best guy in the country. I think it's going to be loaded at the top. I see it far more wide open between those four. Thank goodness. These guys are all seniors. They've been around forever. I think Jaden Ironman might be 42 years old, uh, but give me Sebastian Rivera. Maybe a bit of an upset there to take 141. You got to have a hot take somewhere. You just did it. Thank you. I'm going up to 149. Yanni is back at, uh, two-time champion at 141, I believe, Yanni Giacomo Hollis from Cornell. 2018-2019 national champion, then obviously nothing in 2020. What happened with him in 2021? Uh, he, he took the year off for the Olympics, so he was one of those guys that did not wrestle in college due to Olympic training. Okay, but he is back, moved up a weight, and... We just talked about him, my guy, Yaya Thomas. I'd love to see him make a run in his junior year at Northwestern, starting out all right now, right now, four and one. But this very much feels like Yanni's weight. You've got Sammy Sasso at number two right now out of Ohio State. Tariq Wilson, number three out of NC State. Uh, those are just kind of the guys that stand out to me. Max Murin down at 12 feels like a little bit of a low ranking for him. Kanan Store, another guy who's been in college for a decade. And it feels like 17 is way too low for him. And then the wonderfully named Legend Lammer down there at number 18, Jarrett Deegan at 24. So a lot of, a lot of names, a lot of guys who've been around a long time, but I don't know if anybody's touching Yanni at 149. No, they're not. And, and he's so much fun to wrestle. If you really are, are trying to figure out what the heck wrestling is all about, watch, watch Yanni wrestle at nationals. He's so different, but he's smooth, man. He's smooth and he's great. And, and he's going to wrestle somebody like Sammy Sasso or Tariq Wilson. And uh, like, they're good. We, we learned that last year with Sammy Sasso. He's really good. And it's Yanni. It's, it's not as dominant as Spencer Lee, but it's so much fun to watch. And it is kind of his weight. Um, and and uh, just kind of a changing tune here. Josh Finesilver out of Duke. There is approximately 17 fine silver brothers that have Jeez. gone through Duke. He's the next one. And so uh, it'd be pretty cool for him to all American at that weight. Doing well right now, 16 and one. We talk about a lot of these guys not having any matches. He's already had 17 matches on the year, which is as much as anybody else out there. Yeah. These open turn, there's a lot of open tournaments that happen in November and early December that uh, sometimes that, that schools will send people to and they get a bunch of matches. So it is 
it is good for them to kind of knock the rust off and, and get into it. And moving up to 157. So one thing we didn't touch on, mention that there are there were nine new champions last year, but every weight this year has at least one former national champion. 157 is one of the few that has two returning national champions or former national champions. Can you name both of them? David Carr. Okay. Austin O'Connor. Austin O'Connor, correct. Austin O'Connor won it at 149 last year, moving up to take on David Carr. David Carr, your defending national champion out of Iowa, out of Iowa State. Starting off right now undefeated, 8-0 as we're recording this, and a, a rare bright spot for Iowa State, the once proud Iowa State wrestling team that's been down on its luck for a while. If, if they can all wrestle like David Carr, Iowa State will be in fine shape. So obviously David Carr, Austin O'Connor, O'Connor down at the seven right now. So I don't know if the weight gain is hurting him or if they're, who knows, whatever the reason is, but you've got, I feel like it's David Carr, Austin O'Connor and Ryan Deacon. I'll admit, I don't know enough about some of these other guys, but to me, those three seem like the ones that are at the top of the food chain. Uh, guys like Kendall Coleman, Caleb Young, kind of there in the middle of the pack that I would keep an eye on. But to me, those are the three, unless there's something about Ja'Cory Teamer and Brayton Lee that I don't know. Uh, Brayton Lee has has done a nice job. Had a good season last year. Uh, Deacon, he's kind of a guy that you you really want to see win. The problem is, I'm not going to cheer for Deacon over David Carr, the Iowa State guy. David Carr is the returning national champ. Same with Austin O'Connor, returning national champ. Like we we've got we've got people who have been there and done that. Uh, Ryan Deacon has put in his time. He's going to be the the best wrestler that comes out of the Big Ten at this weight and. And I know all the Iowa fans are like going to, you know, get the shakes and start twitching. But Caleb Young has really disappointed. And like two years ago, you would have been like, oh, my gosh, this guy is awesome. He's going to start crushing people. And we really haven't seen that elevate to the next level. So I really don't even factor him in to the national title race. So if if you tell me it's Carr, Deacon and O'Connor, or you give me the field, I'm going to take one of those three guys to, to be the national champ. We love looking at names of some wrestlers, and the 157 has quite a few of them. Ja'Cory Teamer, obviously a cool name. Quincy Monday is a fun name. Where did I just see him? Um, number 24 rank, Colton. I'm going to butcher this young man's name, Yapujin. I Look at it. It looks cool. Tree's a nice fella, but just a lot of cool names in wrestling. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, Thomas for one. Dijon Casto, one of these awesome names. One sixty-five. Interestingly, and this this was another one listening to that Flow Wrestling show. They were all over the map on this one. Keegan O'Toole, who I admittedly do not know much about, they were very high on. Evan Wick, senior out of Cal Poly, having a great year at number two. Alex Marinelli, we talk about all these guys who've been around forever. I think Alex Marinelli feels like he's been around as long as anybody in college wrestling. Those three at the top, and your boy, your big hero, Shane Griffith out of Stanford. We remember the big story last year. Stanford was going to cut a bunch of sports, one of them being wrestling. And Shane Griffith, as a freshman, went out there, wore just a plain sling, no Stanford colors, and ended up winning the national title, and I believe was the national tournament wrestler of the year. So Mr. Griffith is back. He's at fourth ranked fourth right now, nine and two record, but a great top division, uh, top part of the weight here with those four. Plus you have Anthony Valencia, the other Valencia brother there at six. 
Uh, how many Amin brothers are there at Michigan? I mean, there's Cameron Amin at number 10. Uh, who else do we have at 165 we're not talking about? Oh, let's see here. You've, you've kind of named everybody. Um, that, that there's nobody we're not talking about, but we could add some more to some of these people. Well, I, you, you are a big Shane Griffith fan. Are you riding that bandwagon another year? Oh, I, I would love to. He was definitely the darling of the tournament last year. It was super cool. I'd, I'd love to continue to cheer for him. Um, I'm, I am going to go a different route, though, kind of like Ryan Deacon getting the senior out of Northwestern. Evan Wick, out of, he's at Cal Poly. So he transferred there from Wisconsin. He was an All-American at Wisconsin, is now a senior, has, has never been a national champ. So I'm, I'm probably going to cheer for Evan Wick. Would love for Shane Griffith to keep that going and capitalize. So, so he took advantage of an opportunity last year at the national tournament. And it's, it's all about what you make out of it, right? And so he came in as the eighth seed, beat Jake Wenzel, who, who we've already, or you've mentioned him. Um, Alex Marinelli was hurt, did not perform because of being hurt. So, that's where Griffith took advantage of that opportunity. I, I don't see Valencia as a national champion. I don't see Wenzel as a national champion. Uh, going down the list, I, I don't see any of those other guys. So, so Wick, um, O'Toole is a very highly touted freshman. So, so maybe he sneaks in there. So I'm going to cheer for Wick and Griffith in the finals. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Marinelli ends up there either. So, so one of those three guys and, um, if, if you're really looking for somebody to come out of nowhere, maybe Luke Weber out of North Dakota State surprises some people. I'll, I'll go with the Evan Wick pick on this one, too. I think one of the few times we're actually rowing the same boat. So, yeah, give me Evan Wick to take this one here. Something interesting, I think, at one, what are we at, 165, you don't see a lot of other weights. The Big Ten underrepresented here. Yes, Alex Marinelli is ranked number one out of Iowa, but – Wick at Cal Poly, O'Toole at Missouri, Griffith at Stanford, number five, Travis Whitlake out of Oklahoma State, Valencia, Arizona State. So getting a lot of the other conferences and schools represented here, not just your traditional Penn State, Iowa schools at the top of the food chain, and also a lot of freshmen here looking at who's ranked. We talked about O'Toole at number three. Carson Karchla, who we neglected at Ohio State, another highly touted freshman, and then the Cameron Amin at number 10. So three freshmen. This interesting that they're doing so well at a higher weight. I think I expect that more out of the lower weight guys. We've got a fantastic crop here of, of young, old, and somewhere in the middle. So 165, I think a very, very wide open, very fun race to see how this all pans out. But I will go with you on Mr. Wick. Very good. 174. The other weight that has two former national champions, can you name both of the two former national champions? Carter Starachi. Okay. And Makai Lewis. You are correct. Makai Lewis, all the way back in 2019, won it at 165, and Starachi won it last year at 174. Starachi going to go back to back? Kemmer is going to get him this year. Uh, that was an awesome finals match. Eighth, ninth year senior, Michael Kemmerer? At least. I, so. It's legitimately his sixth or seventh year. Like, I'm not kidding about that. <laughs> so that's why I feel like, uh, who's the other one? Is it Meyer? There's Marinelli. 
Kemmerer and another guy in Iowa that every time I hear their name, I think, how are you still in college? Even yeah. with COVID and red shirts, like, how are you still there? Right. Doesn't make sense. So you've, Starochi is one right now, Kemmerer two, Mikey Labriola out of Nebraska at three, Makai Lewis at four, uh, Hayden Hidley out of NC State, Logan Massa at Michigan. Uh, there's another fine silver down there at eight. Yep. But get him an All American. Do we, do we know if Peyton Mako is any relation? Do not know. Hmm. All right. So I think, I think a very top heavy weight with, I'd say, Sorochi, Kemmerer, and Makai Lewis. I'm going to go Makai Lewis gets back on track after the two year gap there. Moving up to an 174, I think he'll, he'll get it done and get back on top here. He's a fun wrestler to watch. It'd be really cool for him to, to kind of get back to where he was. I just don't see how we, how we don't have a repeat of Starochi and Kemmerer in the finals. So, so I'll take those two and, and uh, we'd love to see Kemmerer go out on top. I get Starochi's younger, but how many times have these guys wrestled each other by now? Oh, probably a dozen. You figure duels, big tens, national tournament, plus random matches here and there over several years. Another Iowa guy is Cade DeVos. He wrestles for South Dakota State. He's down in the rankings a little bit, but he was pretty highly touted coming out of high school and is now at South Dakota State. I was looking. We we got off track on finding some dark horses. I was trying to find somebody a little bit further down here outside of your single digits to keep an eye on. Here's a here's a name I'll throw at you. Wrestling out of Ohio, so wrestling in the MAC, but he's 15 and one. Sal Pirine, Pirine, nice. Pirine. Don't know who he is, but going by record and what he's accomplished so far this year, a, a nice dark horse freshman to get on the podium. Moving on up to 184. Oh look, another Penn State guy, Aaron Brooks, sophomore out of Penn State, six and zero, defending national champion at this weight. Another Amin brother, Miles Amin, who I believe wrestled in the Olympics this last year and did, what was it, Malta? Like San Marino, some tiny little European country that is, he yeah, was able to wrestle he, for. Yep, exactly. Uh, Trent Hidley, Parker Kekuson, uh, Bernie Truax down there at six. Uh, trying to think who else is down here. Marcus Coleman down at 10. A weight that I think is probably more wide open than people assume. I think Aaron Brooks is getting a lot of attention and a lot of cloud. And I think people kind of are expecting him to be able to run over this weight. I think there's a lot of different guys who can get hot at the right time and make a run through this bracket. Yeah, this will be a dart throw. Um, sure. You're going to have your favorite, but anybody can be knocked off here. Um, maybe it's like, maybe Taylor Venz loses in a duel to Aaron Brooks and then loses at the big tens to Aaron Brooks and somehow gets hot and ends up meeting him in the finals. Like I'm, I'm not going to be shocked no matter who ends up in the finals at this weight, because it is pretty wide open. So, so let's see if Taylor Venz can make a run through the national tournament when the time comes uh, for Nebraska. Otherwise it's, it's Aaron Brooks and everybody else. What's going on at Iowa at this week? So you have a Basad ranked all the way down to 18th, which is rare for an Iowa Hawkeye wrestler, but I believe one of the brands was at 184 at one point in time. Do we know what's going on with Iowa? Are they going back and forth at 184? Well, Nelson Brands is he's a 174 pounder, but sometimes he wrestles 184, and Abe Assad wrestles is is at 184, and I don't know exactly what they'll do come tournament time, um, because at 74 is Kemmerer, and so you're you're not going to take out Kemmerer to put in Nelson Brands. 
But if Abe Assad is 18th, I I can't imagine he's better than Nelson Brands, but then maybe he is, and why why the heck would he be in the lineup if he's not? Right. So you, you I really don't know what Iowa's got going on there. You have to imagine those guys are proving it every week in the room that they're, hey, you want that spot, you go take it. And Assad must just be beating them head-to-head every time. Yeah, he must. All right. Who are you picking to win this one? Uh, Taylor Venz, Nebraska. Oh, nice. little little dark horse down there at 11. I, I think I've picked at least one of these brothers every year for the last couple of years, and one of these times it's going to pay off. I'm going to go Trent Hidley out of NC State. I think that's my second NC State guy I've picked. Well, that's Virginia it, Virginia Tech and NC State. Uh, Coach Papalazio always has his team ready to go. It's a good staff. It's a good room. Hayden Hidley would be the brother that you would want yeah. to pick, mm-hmm. but uh, you can have you can have Trent. That's fine. I think. Well, I like I like his chances at 184 better than Hayden's down at 174. A little bit tougher bracket, I think, to get through at 174. Yeah, but, there's no doubt about that. I like, I'm, I'm very curious about this Parker Kekuson at UNI. It's rare for Northern Iowa to have a guy in the top four, but he's 11 and one. And by all accounts has been rolling through people. Yeah. He had a great tournament last year, finished third. Somebody else to keep an eye on for this year. And then going up to 187, this guy, I've never met him. I know nothing about him, but based on watching him in the national tournament last year, maybe one of my favorite wrestlers in college, AJ Ferrari. You got a name like Ferrari, you have to live up to it. He has all the personality, did jack to the gills, dominated as a freshman last year. He's very, very fun. He's got the whole family there, kind of loud and crazy, and it's a whole lot of fun. So A.J. Ferrari, I'm just going to cut to the chase. Give me A.J. Ferrari to repeat this year. The big 179-pounder, I believe, from New Jersey, now wrestling down at Oklahoma State. So uh – the only reason I cheered for him last year was because he was my pick in a, a pool that we do. Um, you pick a wrestler, you score points, that whole deal. He was my pick for that. So I'm cheering for him and I'm like, Oh, I really don't like this guy, but everything that you said, I can see why people do like him and why he has fans. It's just not my style. And, and so um, it's kind of his weight to lose. He won it last year. Uh, and in the finals, he beat Nino. Bona Corsi out of Pitt, the second ranked guy. Um, Max Dean is also one to factor in there. But if you look back at earlier this year, I'm going to give a shout out to Iowa State. Uh, nobody knows this guy. His name is Younger Bastida. And he beat number four, Jacob Warner, in a duel. And so maybe he's somebody that sneaks up there as we go through the year. Um, but it's it's AJ's weight to lose. Uh, give me Thomas Panola, a senior out of Purdue, is a dark horse. Sure, I'm I'm looking that guy up right now because I never heard that name until you said it. I think the top three here are AJ, who I'm obviously a fan of, Nino Bonacorsi, and then Max Dean, a Penn State guy, ranked number three. You're not going to overlook him. Stephen Buchanan out of Wyoming is interesting. He's 12 and one so far on the year. I'm I'm going Ferrari, but I do think outside of that, it could be very fun. A lot of guys could jump up and snatch a spot here in the semifinals you may not expect yeah yeah for sure and then heavyweights maybe not as much of a sure thing as spencer lee i i think there may be some more volatility here than people want to say but you've got gable steveson the olympic gold medalist the defending national champion the recent signee to the wwe but you also have tony cassiope who had a tremendous 
I don't know if you got off season or in the freestyle ranks this summer. Plus you've got Mason Paris at Michigan. So these three, you got Iowa, Minnesota, and Michigan. These guys are all juniors. They know each other quite well, wrestled a thousand times, I'm sure. Are, are we giving anybody outside of Gable that much of a chance or as great as Paris and Cassiopeia are still can't reach that level? No, I, I, I don't. And, and I don't see how anybody touches him. Uh, Steveson and Paris wrestled last year in the finals. They're going to wrestle again in the finals. It's a matter of can somebody take down Cassiope for third, which actually has happened already in a dual meet. We'll see if it happens in the national tournament. But a lot, I mean, a ton of guys are back at this weight from last year. A lot of the repeats, uh, we should have a lot of the same top eight with Steveson being the champ at the end of the year. There's a, a young guy, Colton Schultz, third right now, 9-0 and out of Arizona State, a name to keep an eye on if you're looking for somebody not in the Big Ten to watch. Have we ever had Gable Steveson and Kyle Snyder like on a USA or Olympic trial or anything, or what's Snyder doing, or is he too small? No, there's too much of a weight difference there. What's Is Gable like 240, or is he not that big? Gable, he's like 280. Is he that big? He's huge. I didn't realize he was quite that big. Yeah, that Maybe not 280, but I bet he's 260. And that was the thing. Snyder was always such a small heavyweight that still dominated, but was you know barely 215 pounds. Yeah. I didn't know if Snyder was doing anything still with like Team USA or was trying to do Olympic stuff or he'd moved on to other things. It's a good question. I haven't followed, but they're certainly they would certainly be in a different weight bracket for world type stuff so if you had to pick your hodge winner the wrestling heisman i feel like i know the top two candidates <laughs> it's but gable spencer or spencer lee. spencer lee does it make a difference that these guys aren't really wrestling right now yes they're going to be dominant and for the favorites to win national championships if they roll through the conference and national championships is that enough or would you reward somebody who's actually out there grinding and actually putting up a lot of matches early in the year. Yeah, that's it's a good question and it's a fair point and it's it's not so much a culmination of the season, it's just the uh it's more about the national tournament than it is anything else. So, so could Yanni wrestle all year and pin 17 guys and tech fall six guys and and be a national champ? Sure. Sure, that would be a season long worthy of uh the Hodge would be Yanni but I don't, I, I don't think they're going to factor that in. They're going to look at what Spencer Lee does in the national tournament coming off of two torn ACLs and be like, he's our guy. So that's where I'm predicting and it goes. Yeah. Yanni was kind of the guy I was looking at. He's got the pedigree and the credentials. He's 9-0, and which isn't a huge amount of matches, but it's way more than Spencer or Gable. So I think you have to reward longevity in a little bit, but if Spencer tech falls his way through the national tournament, I think he's the favorite to get it over Gable right now, but... We'll see how it all shakes out. Spencer Lee would be my pick. And your team race. So the tournament rankings right now, Iowa and Penn State comfortably ahead of everybody. I think coming into the year, Iowa was kind of thought of as more of the the likely favorite. But when you look at uh, guys like Aaron Brooks, Carter Starochi, having great years, Nick Lee, Austin O'Connor, Penn State, I think is going to be in there. Yes, Iowa returns everybody and their mother to their team. Wouldn't I, I don't know if anybody even has a prayer, Oklahoma State, Michigan, 
Michigan, Arizona State, Oklahoma State, NC State, Cornell, Ohio State all have nice teams, but nobody's getting close to Iowa or Penn State. If you're flipping a coin, it's going to come up Iowa or Penn State for your team champion. Penn State. Wow. Taking the minor upset over the veteran-laden Hawkeyes. Yeah, everything came together for the Hawks last year, and I think Penn State gets it together this year, and and somebody from the Hawks is going to get upset that's going to cost them the team title. Wow. Well, as much as it pains me to do it, I'll I'll go with the Hawkeyes, send all these veterans the the last year for Spencer Lee and Marinelli and Kemmerer and all these guys right out on top. Penn State has a lot of young guys, so be ready for them to win three in a row after this. Anything else on the college wrestling scene in our not-quite-season preview? Uh, it's it's fun to see what other schools do that you don't always hear of in, in other sports. Um, NC State has a really strong wrestling program. Cornell, work, they're always a top-10 team. And then you, you kind of get down to the teams that aren't contending for national titles but always have a good wrestler or two to watch. Lehigh and Princeton would be two teams just to keep your eye on as we get to the end of the season and watch some of those guys. So I uh, just want to give a, a kudos to those schools who always seem to produce some strong wrestling and, and have fun wrestlers to watch. Yeah, I would love to see a, a Northern Iowa, Utah Valley make a run. Makes me feel a little bit bad that Iowa State can't even be in the top. Oh, there they are. Top 18th. I was thinking they're not even in the top 20. It'd be nice if they could make the top 15 or top 10 once in a while. Yeah, they right. just, for whatever reason, can't put 10 wrestlers together. They have about four or five, and that's it. Them in Oklahoma kind of seems to be the way these once great wrestling schools have fallen. But, all right. We're a show about positivity. No time for licking wounds and being sad. But that's that's what we're here for is the diversity in your sports talk. We don't just want to talk about Aaron Rodgers for three hours every day. We want to change it up a little bit, give you some college wrestling, college basketball, UFC, NBA, no matter no matter what's on the docket. We want to give you our thoughts and insight on it. And we're going to spin that wheel over to some college football bowl games. Is there anything, any bowl games coming up prior to the New Year's Six that you want to touch on? We're getting into the the heavy hitter bowl games, more of the renowned ones in your bigger schools. But I will skip ahead to the New Year's Six unless you really have your heart set on one of these. Let's see. I'm, I'm trying to see when it is. So we start with December 30th with the beloved Duke's Mayo Bowl. I do think it's cool the, I refuse to call it Tony Ti- Tony the Tiger, but the Sun Bowl that they, not good that anybody had COVID, but that Washington State and Central Michigan could scramble to throw that game together last minute, that they were like, oh, hey, I think it was Central Michigan. You're already down in Arizona. Come on over and play this game. I think that's really fun that they're able to put that together. And while I hate the oversaturation of bowl games, I do like the fun matchups of school you just, schools you never see play each other i.e. Washington State, Central Michigan. Yeah, that's that's something that I, I do want to give credit to those schools for making that happen. We saw that last year with uh, Coastal Carolina and BYU. They were like, hey, we got an open day. Let's play. Let's go. And it just shows that you kind of value that your kids are putting in the time. So, so I do give credit to both those schools for making that happen. Um, and then North Carolina, South Carolina, the winner of the Dukes Mayo Bowl has agreed to get covered in mayo, which sounds delicious. And the like, there's going to be a donation made to charity, so making it bigger than themselves, which is cool. Um, as far as a game, 
my biggest, my most nervous uh, pick them game is Wisconsin and Arizona state because like I've got Arizona state and I'm confident in that, but I'm so stinking nervous because they could just not show up and like suck and Wisconsin could run the ball and win 21 to seven. And I would be so sad about that. So that's the game I'm looking forward to. I look forward to a very slow, sluggish Wisconsin 20 to 14, 300 yards rushing, 80 yards passing game out of that. Arizona State, you never know what you're going to get there. Uh, I'm going to skip on right ahead to the New Year's Six games. Just want to get some quick predictions, or if you want to go in depth on any of these, the Fiesta Bowl will be the first one, not including the playoff games. But on New Year's Day, Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame and Oklahoma State. Love the matchup here. Really, really like what Oklahoma State did this year. Uh, You could go back into the archives of this podcast where I told you that Oklahoma State would be competing for the Big 12 title. And um, you guys kind of laughed at me, but uh, sounds like us there. It's it's definitely there. And then Notre Dame really uh, seems to be inspired by who they promoted as their head coach with Marcus Freeman. And so you're going to have a team there that maybe a sigh of relief for some of the kids getting rid of Brian Kelly and embracing Marcus Freeman. So Notre Dame's going to come out on top of that game with a victory and kind of a look ahead to the future for them. I'm not a hundred percent sure what to make of this game. I love the matchup as well. I think it could be very fun. Depends what mentality Notre Dame, do you have a team that's, kind of down on their luck after the way Brian Kelly left them, or are they looking to kind of stick it to Brian Kelly and have this new coach they seem to love? And then Oklahoma state who never quite know what to make of them. They're not, I feel like under Mike Gundy, they've not been great in the biggest games. So I'd be cheering for Oklahoma state on behalf of the big 12, but I think I'd go Notre Dame to take this one. Uh, The Rose bowl, the next one on the calendar, Ohio state and Utah, even though Ohio state has, I think half their team sitting out by now, but the big thing losing most of their star wide receivers, then a couple offensive and defensive linemen guys were going to be top 50 draft picks. I love this Utah team. I would love to see them win. I hate Ohio state. I just thought the talent gap was too great that Ohio state would run over them. But with all these guys sitting out, give me Utah. Their defense is punishing their quarterback. I think I mentioned before, it's kind of a Gardner Minshew look and attitude going on. He's kind of a gunslinger. He may win some, he may lose some, but he's going to have a lot of fun doing it. So give me that smash mouth Utah defense to win this one because Ohio State has so many guys sitting out. I hope you're right. Uh, This would be another one that I uh, want your listeners to go back into the archives and find that I said that Utah was going to win the Pac-12 and uh, we are. So I hope that you're right and I hope Utah wins. They have an amazing coach and Ohio State missing a bunch of players. Uh, just to be the uh, to to take the approach of I win, I win in my heart if Utah wins, but I picked Ohio State to win the game because then I can say, hey, I picked the game right. So, so f- because I picked Ohio State, I have to say that I picked Ohio State, but I certainly hope that Utah wins. And then you've got the game that nobody knew that we wanted at the beginning of the year. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Ole Miss and Baylor, two kind of surprise teams. Your favorite coach, Lane Kiffin, feels like just a southern old school shootout football game. I, I, I was 
Very impressed with Baylor this year. Have not watched a lot of Ole Miss, but because Lane Kiffin is fun, give me Ole Miss. Yeah, this would be the game I'm looking forward to. If, if you told me I could only watch one game on New Year's Day, this is the one. Uh, great coaching matchup because Aranda is a defensive wizard, and he has had that defense dialed up all year. And then Lane Kiffin is the best offensive mind in college football. And so it's, it's kind of like a, a perfect matchup for that. I do think that Ole Miss has the firepower to, to put up points. And uh, Matt Corral is kind of a, here, here's my stage NFL teams, come take me, I'm better than Kenny Pickett, that type of deal. So um, I'm, I'm with you on the Ole Miss win. I don't remember how I picked it in a comp- competition. I maybe only had like one or two confidence points on this game, but um, I, I think it'll be a fantastic matchup and Ole Miss probably pulls it out in the end. Speaking of Mr. Pickett, I completely skipped over the Peach Bowl. Why is the Peach Bowl on the 30th and not the 31st or 1st? But the fourth of your big bowl games, Michigan State and Pittsburgh, I believe Kenneth Walker is sitting out and Kenny Pickett is sitting out. So it kind of takes the shine off of it for me. I think Pitt is the more complete, more uh, more better, better coach team. Plus my guy Keaton Slovis just transferred there for next year. I don't know what to make of this without the two big stars, but I'll stick with Pitt in this one. So I, I, my only selfish reason for Kenny Pickett staying is they would have scored 600 points because Michigan State has an awful pass defense. And, and now that Pickett is gone, it kind of neutralizes all that. And now their OC is going to Nebraska. I'm not sure if he has left yet or if he's coaching through the bowl game. Uh, Mark Whipple is his name, and, and he is, he's one of, one of the great coordinators that we have in college football. And then Michigan State just wants to run the ball, but Kenneth Walker, I, you, you know, how do you, how do you factor all this stuff in? I picked Michigan State. Have no good reason for doing so, uh, other than that Kenny Pickett is not playing, and and he's a terrific quarterback. So how do you bring in a new guy for that? So so that's the only reason I picked Michigan State. But I really don't know what to expect out of this game. And then our two big playoff games. First one will be Cincinnati and Alabama. I hate Alabama. Go Cincinnati. That's all I have to say about that game. Uh, it's it, it, as awesome as it would be to destroy the college football playoff and blow all that up to get Cincinnati to win. I don't think it's going to happen, and I have Alabama winning. And the game that I think is far more exciting and engaging, I think this is the best bowl game we have. I think the winner of this wins the national championship. Michigan and Georgia, it's going to be big, meaty guys hitting other big, meaty guys. Michigan, we know about the defensive ends, Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo. Hassan Haskins has been a revelation in the last month, or I guess really since Thanksgiving. It'll be interesting to see if either of these offenses can get going. Set Stetson Bennett the fourth for Georgia secretly had a good year. We all talked about the defense and forgot that he did a good job navigating that offense for them, but two fantastic defensive fronts. Who's going to get the big play. That may be what it comes down to a punt return for a touchdown, a pick six, a running back gets loose on a busted play. I don't see a particularly high scoring matchup. I don't see a blowout, but to call it picking with my heart instead of my head, but give me Michigan to upset Georgia here. And I have the winner going to the national becoming the national champion, whoever wins between these two. I hope you're right. 
and it'd be awesome if it played out that way. Uh, what's what's interesting to think about with this game is is you can look at what they've done most recently. So so Georgia just got boat raced by Alabama, gave up 41 points, and you're thinking, man, this is supposed to be this awesome defense. Well, yeah, they are. They they proved it all year except for their most recent game. And then you look at what Michigan, Michigan beat down Ohio State, like took their lunch money and sent them on their way. And that was cool to see. Michigan is awesome at running the football. In Georgia's defense, their strength is stopping the run. So what is Harbaugh going to try to do to throw the ball? Like, do, do what you do best. So Michigan runs the ball best. But if you can't, like if you can't do something because of the strength of the other team, now you're going to have to throw the ball. And, and can Michigan complete 20 passes? And I don't know that they can. Georgia can score points if they have to score points because they have weapons. And, and they scored 24 points against Alabama in a blowout. 24 points is going to win this game, Darren. And it's a matter of who gets there. And I don't think that Michigan can pass the ball enough to be successful. So, so give me Georgia in a rematch with Alabama in the national title game. Too much SEC for my liking. But if that is the case, go Georgia. All right. Just a couple quick minutes here before we duck out. Want to get Shannon's take on the NFL playoffs. We'll be mid-playoffs by the time he's back on the show. But starting in the AFC, the Chiefs have clinched a playoff spot, and then there are 12 teams competing for the final six. The Titans hanging in there. They have the two seed. Your Cincinnati Bengals are the three right now. Buffalo the four, Indy the five, the Patriots six, and the Dolphins down at seven. How about them Dolphins? Holy cow, talk about that. I mean, they won seven games in a row. That's incredible. First, uh, first team to lose seven and win, lose seven straight, win straight, seven straight in the season, which is a good or bad thing, depending on how you look at it. It's it's crazy how wide open this is. And have we had a 16-game schedule the way God intended? But we're here with the 17 games. We have two left. And that's from – there's two games separating the Bengals at three to the Broncos at 13. So somehow the Broncos, Raiders, and Browns could all get in, and the Patriots, Bills, and Titans could all, or Bengals could all be on the outside looking in. I don't right. know what to make of it. Are you confident in your Bengals? I, tell me what's going to happen in the AFC in the final two weeks. Uh, it's it's going to be just chaos, mass chaos, because of what can all happen. Uh, the Chargers are going to be a factor in this. They've, they really kind of shot themselves this past week by getting destroyed by the lowly Texans. The Chargers are going to factor in somehow, and now I realize if I put the Chargers in, I have to take somebody out, and it has to be a wild card team because you have to have four division winners. So the, the Dolphins are going to come out, and the Chargers are going to go in, first of all. Uh, the Patriots are a team that I don't want to play in the playoffs because of coaching. The Colts are a team I don't want to play in the playoffs because they can run the football and they can play defense. Um, if if I am the Titans and I see the Chargers or the Patriots coming to, to Nashville, uh, I don't like my chances at a long playoff run. So if you're somebody and you're like, man, who should I bet on to, to go to the Super Bowl? Uh, cross the Titans off your list because they can't run the football. And they their their defense isn't great. Uh, cross the Bengals off your list 
in fact, cross any NFC or AFC North team off your list, but cross the Bengals right. off your list because of their lack of experience. Are they exciting? Heck yeah, they're exciting. They score a ton of points. Have they have they been awesome this year and exceeded expectations? Heck yeah, they have. Uh, they haven't won a playoff game in your lifetime, Darren. Yeah, they aren't winning one this year or next year. When I say next year, I mean in January. They it ain't happening. So cross them off. Uh, the Bills, maybe they they might get it together. Uh, the Colts, they uh, they're they're going to go as far as Carson Wentz carries them. So, do you believe in Carson Wentz? Then. If you do, leave them on your list. But if not, cross them off. And then the Chargers, uh, they get in their own way. They got they got as much firepower as anybody. And they're well coached. And they have a Bosa. And a Bosa counts for three people on defense. So uh, they're just going to trip over their own feet. So cross them off. So we're left with the Patriots, Colts, Bills, or Chiefs. Now, is anybody going to go into Arrowhead and beat Patrick Mahomes? I told you last January that they weren't going to go back to the Super Bowl, so I've got to go with that. So give me either the Colts, the Patriots, or the Bills coming out of the AFC. I know that that's uh, – I, I know I'm not giving you very much to work with there, Darren, but I, I don't trust Carson Wentz, so maybe I would take them off. And um, I don't know that Mac Jones is a rookie quarterback to take you. So that leaves me back with the Bills going into Arrowhead and knocking off the Chiefs in the AFC. Well, I have plenty more weeks to give my take, but we'll get to your NFC take before you get out of here, which seems like a little bit simpler situation. <coughs> you watched the Cowboys the other night? Well, that's <laughs> leading into this. There's So yeah, five teams already clinched a little bit easier in the NFC. I think those five teams are head and shoulders above everybody else. And even then, I'm leery about the Cardinals. But you've got five teams competing for two spots. The Niners and the Eagles, somehow the Eagles have those two spots right now. But you've got the Vikings, the Falcons, and the Saints each a game back. Washington is mathematically in it. But again, as you asked, if you watch the Cowboys on Sunday night, the WFTs are clearly done. I think you got the seven teams, Darren, because the Vikings can't get out of their own way either. Um, the Falcons got to play Buffalo, and the Vikings got to play the Packers. So you've got your seven. The Eagles have a great, great running game. Niners run the ball. I do not want to host either of those teams if 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 I'm in the playoffs because they're scary wild card teams. Um, it's it's going to be the Buccaneers and the Packers again, and. Uh, I, what I've learned in my last 20 years of watching football is betting against Tom Brady is a really bad idea. Mm -hmm. So, so give me the Buccaneers to come out of the NFC. See, I'm, I, I know it's fool's goal, but I'm getting really drawn in by this Cowboys team and I've been high on the Rams all year. So between the Packers, Cowboys, Rams, and Bucks, I, it's very tough for me at this stage. I think the Niners get one of those spots, despite everybody hating Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan. I, it's between the Vikings and the Eagles. I don't know how the Eagles are doing it. The Falcons are just never allowed to have nice things. The Saints don't have a quarterback. Are the Vikings the Chargers of the NFC? Yeah, they're they're like a poor man's version of the Chargers because they don't have they don't have as exciting of players on defense or at quarterback. But like they have Dalvin Cook, who's as good of a running back as anybody. They've got Justin yeah. Jefferson, who's as good as a receiver. So, yeah, I mean, you could compare the two and say they are a lot alike. Um, 
I, I see where you're coming from there. I just don't have any faith in the Vikings and I have like 1% faith in the Chargers. Yeah. See, that's, but I, I never trust, they could go 14 and three and I still wouldn't trust them to do anything. Either franchise just, and never, like you say, never can quite get out of their own way. They always look like they should be way better than they're kind of always around 500 and then pop a year or two and are suddenly good and then regress back to the mean. It's like, are these, are either of these teams ever going to get it done? be happy for him. I have no, no problem with either team. They're not really horribly run. They're not the Jets or the Browns or WFT. They're like good, well-run franchises. Just can never quite, never quite do it. Yep. All right. Anything else you want to chit-chat about the NFL? Oh, come back to me. I had a question for you on something. Oh, this is what I was going to bring up with you. It's become quite the talking point this week. And, uh, Need to get your take on it. It's become one of the popular narratives around sports media. The performance of the rookie quarterback class, and one in particular, who is third in the class in yards, second in the class in touchdowns right now, has the fewest interceptions thrown of any of the top five quarterbacks, and has his team on a two-game winning streak. His name is Davis Mills, third-round quarterback, pick number 67 by the Houston Texans, thrown into the fire here to kind of be their emergency quarterback. Are you ready to admit that Davis Mills is the best quarterback in the history of the NFL? <laughs> uh, well, when you, when you phrase it that way, no, I am not ready to admit that. But more, more yards than Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance. Only Mac Jones has more touchdowns. He's, he's had a great season, shockingly, with the absolute – garbage around him he has done a nice job they could play spoiler they could take out the Niners this week they very yeah they could and heck they played spoiler last week with the Chargers because I'm still not convinced they'll make it in even though I just told you they would <laughs> so we haven't convinced you on Davis Mills no you have not convinced me on Davis Mills mm. we'll keep working on that all right well there we're at our hour anything else that's on your sports radar before you disappear for a month uh, find some time to watch football and watch it and love it and hug it and hold it because then it'll disappear and we'll just be standing around looking at each other wondering what happened. Well, thank you everybody for joining us on this week's episode, episode 40 of the Sports Gospel Podcast. Happy you were here with us. Find us on sportsgospel.com, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, Google Podcasts. Thank you all for joining. We'll be back next Thursday night with the latest and greatest in sports. I think we've got a little bit of basketball on the agenda with my co-host checking on the NBA and dare I say even some college basketball. Happy New Year, everybody. See you in 2022.